You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, another good episode today. And how do I... How do I kick this off? It's uh, it is really close to shed hunting season, and I actually think that tomorrow, if I, <laughs> it's gonna sound funny, if I get all my work done and all my chores done, I'm gonna try to go out for an afternoon shed hunt uh, tomorrow, which is gonna be the day that this episode is released, so Friday. And I know where some standing corn is, and I've been hesitant to get out and uh go walk it but for one reason because i don't want to bump anything i kind of have to walk through some good terrain to get it um it is an isolated cornfield that i don't know why they didn't pick it um so it's this isolated cornfield so i'm gonna go walk it and see what uh and see what i can find i i don't i don't know um I've noticed that there's a lot of people out there starting to find stuff, uh, find horn, but I just, I've kind of been laying off, but I think tomorrow's going to be my first walk. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, anytime you can get outside and go take a walk and look for antlers, it's a, it's a good day. So we'll see, we'll see what I can find. The deer have been pretty concentrated lately in the, uh, in the areas I've noticed that uh, this has been a couple weeks now, and obviously there's been some snow melt since then. But let's see, my son and I went out on a drive, and we saw 111 deer in about a 45-minute drive. And I'll tell you right now, they were all in groups of 20 or more. I guess I take that back. There was a couple, two, you know, two and threes there, but there was one field that just was stacked. There was another field just stacked. So. Um, we saw probably about a, uh, we saw well over a hundred deer and we saw some bucks that were still carrying. So, uh, I'm going to go and walk some of those farms, see if I can't, you know, a gain permission or some of them I already have permission on. So we'll see what happens, man. I'm, I'm getting excited for this time of year. I, 
this has been a while ago, but I dumped some corn and the only thing, only trail camera pictures I've been getting has been of does and like really young shed bucks. Um, I think the biggest buck I, I've gotten on camera is a hundred, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, less than a hundred inches. He's, he's tiny. He's like a three by three, uh, no brow tines, just this real tiny, like just, you know, real young deer. And so I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself. I'm like, dude, I just spent 200 bucks in corn to drop in front of this trail camera. And the only thing that I've been getting has been does. Well, I'll tell you right now, the, I am definitely helping these two doe groups. There's, I think there's a total of there's a doe group of four and a doe group of five that hit this corn pile every night on schedule. And so they're healthy. They're definitely going to make it through the winter. I just hope that some of these big dogs um, kind of show back up. I mean, this farm that I have access to has been a an early season producer and then the pressure kind of hits and then it kind of all goes to shit after that, but I got to try to figure this farm out because there's some giants that live there all summer long. And then as soon as the pressure hits and it's, it's an immediate hard pressure, like guys are going in to set their tree stands and trail cameras up on the day or two before October. There's nothing I can do about it. So I got to find a way to flank that and get ready for that for the upcoming you know, for the upcoming season. And uh, I already have some tree stands up. I think I might just leave them up and, and kind of see what happens. So, th so that's kind of what's going on in, in my neck of the woods. Today's episode is actually a really good episode. We're going to be talking with my buddy and a guy I rely on for some really good graphic design works. He, uh, he's done a handful of my logos uh, here on the network. And uh, I really appreciate uh, how good of a job that he does. He's really good to work with. His name is Brad Beaver. I just said that. And he's an awesome graphic designer and he's an avid bow hunter. So it, it, this is kind of a BS session. We talk a little bit about some bad luck that he had earlier on in the season, which has kind of turned back to a good luck. Now that one of the bucks that he ends up hitting uh, and not killing survived back on trail camera. And we talk a little bit about finding a, a, a niche within the hunting industry and make a living out of it. So make a living out of doing something you love. So it's a really good BS session. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Commercial time. So let's see here. I'm going to run through some products here real quick. First off is Novex Outdoors. You guys know that Lone Wolf has gone bye-bye and Novex is replacing them. This isn't a, a rebrand. It's a brand new company that sells tree stands. The same owners as Lone Wolf, brand new company, not a rebrand. Um, same sticks, same, uh, pretty much the same sticks, pretty much the same stand, same functionality, made in America, very durable, very quiet, very easy to set up and tear down. And it, they're designed for the mobile hunter. So head on over to novexoutdoors.com. Take a look at everything that these guys offer. Their hang-on stands, their climbing sticks. They have logo wear, a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and just take a look at, uh, at it yourself. I'm uh, a huge fan of their smaller, their smaller platform stand and the four sticks. That gets me anywhere I need to be. So novexoutdoors.com. Title sponsor, Vortex Optics. And... I, I was listening to an episode, uh, some gear episode podcast, not the hunting gear podcast, but another uh, podcast that was talking about optics. And some guy 
called, and I don't, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but some guy called Vortex Optics, a middle of the road optic. The only reason that I can maybe assume that is because their prices are not as expensive as some of the uh, other uh, other optics on the market. But what I can tell you from using Vortex Optics for several years, like several years, it's not a middle of the road company. It is a top. They're the cream of the crop when it comes to optics. Amazing glass, right? Amazing customer service. And when you add those two things together, you're going to have a company that has staying power and products that work. And really at the end of the day, that's all that's all we want is products that work. So that with their VIP warranty where if you break it, whether it's your fault, your dog's fault, it drops out of the car it, it, at 90 miles an hour, or it burns up in a house fire, you send it back into them, they will replace it or fix it for free and then send it back to you. So head on over to vortexoptics.com, take a look at their spotting scopes, range finders, a lot of new products that are going to be coming out in the uh, next handful of months. And on top of that, amazing binoculars and a whole, like, rifle scopes red dots you name it they have it so uh great people over there at vortex and then exodusoutdoorgear.com hey dan why do you like exodus outdoor gear i'll tell you why because when i turn their trail cameras on they work and i say this i want i i I repeat this all the time because before exodus i was not confident in the trail cameras that i was using maybe they're taking pictures maybe they're not maybe they're working Maybe they're not. When it gets cold outside, the, some of them slowed down. Not with Exodus. Turn it on, walk away, and I feel confident that my trail cameras are working. Because if I've had this had this experience in the past where, dude, you go and you're like, God, that's yeah, the rut. I'm going to check this trail camera. Oh, it's like maybe over a big scrape that's been freshly worked. And then the trail camera that I was using before Exodus didn't take any pictures. And I lose my mind and it pisses me off because I've invested time and energy to go not only buy trail cameras, but to put them out, make sure they're working properly and they don't take pictures. Jesus, man, what's the point of having a trail camera at that point? So huge fan of Exodus and what they're doing. Um, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. They have every type. They have a, you know, a lower end or I shouldn't say lower end. I should say a more cost-effective product. They have their lift product. They have cell cams, right? So everything that you guys need, they have as far as show cameras are concerned and a lot of good info on their, uh, on their website along with excellent customer service and uh, a really good warranty as well. So, oh, and they have a solar panel. Check out their solar panel. All right, exodusoutdoorgear.com. And lastly, we have... Excalibur crossbows. Now I will be picking up an Excalibur crossbow uh, here. I'd say early spring time frame. I I am going to get it set up for my daughter and for my son and for my wife to shoot because I feel like this. I'm, I'm, I have this feeling that a crossbow is going to be an entry. It's going to be an entry for them into hunting and I want to make it fun and compound bows can be um, hard to do, especially if you're a smaller kid or a younger child. Um, Rifles and guns can be intimidating 
uh, a little bit intimidating, uh, especially with how loud they are. So I feel like the best, the best entry for me and my family is going to be a crossbow. So I'm going to go over to ExcaliburCrossbow.com and take a look at all those, uh, all they offer. I'm also going to be talking with their customer service department to try to find what crossbow is good for us, you know, my children and maybe one that's good for my wife. She's fairly small as well. And they have tons of options. Uh, and on top of that, it's a, a durable product that's been around for a while. They have some crazy technology in their within their twin strike. That's two arrows and one crossbow. It's nuts. So uh, check that out at ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Commercials are over. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Huge shout out to you. Really appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys do your scouting uh, online. I'm looking forward to hearing about the sheds you found and or the, the rub line that you're uh, excited to hunt this fall because you found it during shout, uh, scouting and all that shit. So um, huge shout out to all of you. Good luck this spring and whatever you're doing. I'm feeling positive today. Spread that positive energy and we'll talk to you on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Brad Beaver. Brad, what's up, man? How we doing? Doing good, doing good. So, my one of my best friends in high school, his last name was Beavers. Ed Beavers was his name, and and uh, his you yeah. know, the Beavers family they were known in 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 the town uh, that I grew up in, uh, and. He was one of my good friends, and we still gave him a lot of shit for his his last name being Beavers, right? So, yeah. <laughs> growing yeah. up, did you ever get shit for your last name? Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've heard about all of them, <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know yeah. why, but I still I still laugh at all that. You know, it's it's immature, but I laugh at it. So yeah, yeah, my my roommate, his last name's Cox. So are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, God. So <laughs> that would make that the, would that's like so much material right there, dude. Between the two of us, <laughs> we've, got, we've we've heard about every joke. Oh man, that that's so funny. It, it seems it <laughs> seems almost made up. We actually went to we went and shot some stuff for John Dudley a couple of years ago, and uh, he posts on his story. He's like, "I'm here with Beaver and Cox," and we're like, "Oh my God, John!" Like. <laughs> So oh, that's funny. funny, man. That's funny. How'd your, yeah. uh, I, I know that you were uh, a camera guy, uh, behind the camera for a, a gigantic deer that was shot this year, but how did your deer season go yeah. this year? Uh, mine was pretty shitty, honestly. Um, I shouldered our, my number one. Um, he like caught me draw and just got spooky and I thought I could bust through his shoulder and I didn't. Um, and then after that, he was kind of my target. So, you know, obviously once you shoot a buck, it's hard to get another crack at him, but that was my goal. Um, so I was a little bit stubborn maybe, but I didn't end up filling my tags. Um, but luckily that deer's still alive, so we can chase him next year. But yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't fill a tag. It was, it was frustrating year. Um, we didn't, the way the crop rotation was, we didn't have many bucks on us until kind of the rut so yeah it was just kind of slow i don't know it's kind of a weird year but yeah i mean it's it's crazy that you know a couple things there crop rotation you know I, I honestly don't think enough people talk about that and the impact that it has on uh the deer herd in i don't want to say yeah as absolutely. a whole but as like uh as just like 
small deer groups, like a doe group or, or specific bucks, because on the farm that I hunt, um, I, it, I call it a corn ear, but there's a major. I call it corn ear when there's a majority of beans, but only I, I only call it a corn ear because there's two fields that, for some reason, when it's a corn ear, they mm-hmm. will take the corn out much later. So they left it in all the way up until mid-November this year. Um, but when mm-hmm. the beans, when they have beans, they take the beans out right away but they leave the corn in for a longer period of time, even though, even though it's ready. So that has a huge impact on where the deer are at and it keeps the deer kind of in between two properties, not stacked into the timber. Like I would rather have, you know what I mean? So. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely overlooked, especially like on a property that you hunt, obviously corn versus beans from year to year. If they do rotate, like that affects movement mm-hmm. on our farm anyway, it affects movement a lot from year to year. So Next year, uh, with the way the rotation is, it, it actually sets up pretty good for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, so this buck you shouldered, um, is this a buck yeah. that you had history with through several years or just a first-timer? Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool story. We, uh, he's one of, the, one of the first bucks we got on camera when we first got the lease last year. Um, and me and my lease partner at the time decided that he was too young to shoot. Um, so he kind of became like our number one prospect. So we called him rookie um, just because he was like, we're like, dude, this dude's going to be a stud. Um, and then he disappeared last year around shotgun season. I actually thought he died yeah. uh, just because of the timing. Like he was so um, consistent on our farm and then shotgun season came and went and he just disappeared. So I'm like, he's dead. Like somebody shot him. Yeah. Um, and then this year he showed up, I think October 24th. Um, we got a picture of him and I was like, dang, that kind of looks like rookie. Uh, and then he just started moving into our farm. Like we got him kind of on the edge and then the next day he'd get a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter. And before we knew it, he was like super killable. Um, and we just like, after looking at pictures, we're like, this is rookie. Like he freaking, he blew up a little bit. Um, so yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. We, we did have some history with him. Um, have a lot of history with him now. So I'm excited to, him next year it's yeah it's gonna be a cool story i've never uh i've never actually like had a buck that i can say on february 4th what, what today is like that's gonna be my target next year yeah um going in because i know he's alive and i know he's gonna be like he's gonna be a five-year-old i think so yeah if he sticks around man like that's gonna be that's gonna be my guy so it's gonna be an interesting year yeah for sure and it's it's a good feeling knowing that Right. Like the, right, yeah. the, the main property that I hunt, man, it just get, it, there's so much pressure during the gun season that it just kicks all the deer out. And there are a couple, there are a couple doe groups that, um, that stick around, but the, the, the property itself just gets pushed all the mature deer. It seems like don't come back until spring green up. And that's when you start to see them again around the, the late April, early May time frame when, you, you know, like you, in order to know what the deer is, you have to have some kind of characteristics like a cut ear or a broken ear right. or like a scar on the face or something that sticks out. So, um, yep. I don't know, man, I, I, I wish I could still like, I used to be so serious about that stuff, but now it's just like, 
it's so hard because I'll have a buck on, on the properties that I hunt that will be there two years in a row. I'm like, yes. And then he'll disappear. And then he, maybe he'll come back, uh, you know, as a four year old or a three year old or excuse me, a four year old or, or a five year old. I'm just like, where did you go for a whole year? Like what, yeah. what happened? So I don't I know. know. It's frustrating when they do that too. Cause your mind automatically goes to their dead. Yeah, like, exactly. They're like, they're done. You're dead. And mm-hmm. then they show back up. It's always exciting, but yeah, our farm's the same way. It has so much shotgun pressure. So we kind of are like, it's kind of like crunch time once bow season starts to come down to an end. Cause it's like, we don't know who's going to live and who's not with all the pressure around us. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys able to leave like beans or, or corn or, or have food plots on that property to get them to come back in for a, you know, a shot at him late season? Yeah, we've got, uh, we had quite a bit of standing beans this year, which I think honestly is what made him stick around through shotgun season. Um, again, last year he left during shotgun season and this year we, we really focus on keeping a lot of food. So I think that actually paid off and he stuck around and he actually shed out on us, but um, next year I'm hoping to have you more, um, and again with that crop rotation, it'll be good. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I'm excited. Yeah. So let me ask you this about this buck, right? Your, your number one shows up, you have a, an awkward encounter with him. You throw an arrow, you know, you put an arrow in his shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. did it not like what happened? Did it not penetrate? Did it hit the, the joint? Did it, I mean, what was the yeah, story it, there? No penetration, and also my broadhead was uh, loose. I, I didn't realize it, but you can in the footage you can actually hear my broadhead when I draw my bow. It like rattles, oh, um, shit. which of course is not good. It was a it was a expandable. Um, but honestly, the deer picked that up too. Like I've never had a deer catch me when I draw, but I drew and he just spun and looked right at me. Yeah, and he was closed off um, when he did that. So kind of went through my head quick and I was like, I just got to, like, he's going to bust. I got to at least put, give him something. So, yeah. um, yeah, ended up, it just didn't penetrate. Like I literally got like two to three inches of, of penetration. So yeah, I need to look at my arrows this off season as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> not, I'm not a big like arrow nerd, but after that I'm like, oh, I should probably pay attention. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, I, I had one bad experience back in like dude i think it was 2010 where i shot just a little high but i thought the penetration should have been there and back you know back in back then 2010 no one was really talking about heavy arrows it was still at the the tail end of that speed type you know like god you got to get fast arrows and shit like that right and then after that i started talking to some people about you know you need to get a heavier arrow you need to get a you know you need to get a mac truck of an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then once I started, you know, once I, it, I can remember the first time I bumped my arrow weight up. I think right now I'm shooting 524. Um, and depending on who you talk to that, that still seems kind of light, but I was bumping up into the, the mid four hundreds. And I can remember the first deer I shot. Once I did that, I took a doe. I, I, she was quartering away. I hit her behind the front shoulder and it actually hit the the opposite shoulder on her it took her off her feet and she just died right there and it was like that was mm-hmm. a it was a, an awakening i'm just like i had i gotta start yeah. paying more attention to my arrow setup <laughs> yeah that's uh kind of a similar story obviously but um i'm gonna do that this like this experience is what you just described for me like 
I should probably pay attention to my arrow setup a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So but. when that when you hit that buck and you, I mean, was it instant? Like, did you instantly know you got no oh, penetration? Yeah. yeah, I actually in the video I shot and I go, he's not going to die. Yeah. Like I knew him. I just knew immediately. You know, as a bow hunter, like some some shots you're like they're dead. Yeah. And some you're like, oh, that was bad. Yeah. That's how that's how this was. As soon as I released it, I was like, nope that's not good yeah so we reviewed footage i mean we looked for blood there was there really wasn't even any blood so we just i was like he's gonna live yeah actually he did he daylighted not long after that um like i could have i could have killed him a couple times had i been in a certain tree after that but i didn't want to pressure him too hard and run him off because i knew he was probably hurting so yeah it is it is what it is so what was that time frame like? I mean, how many days after you hit him until he started showing back up on camera again? Man, he showed up uh he showed up three days later, not in daylight, but he at night with a broken brow time. So he'd been uh, fighting. So he yeah, so he'd been aggressive. So I was like, This dude's gonna be fine. Like yeah. he obviously doesn't feel too bad and then he daylighted again I wanna say a few weeks later um and then he daylighted a lot during muzzleloader season but uh, obviously here in iowa once shotgun seasons are over it's all just late muzzy and, and bow yeah. um and once he got through shotgun season i decided i was like might as well let him live especially with the uh, broken brow right yeah well yeah. right <laughs> but uh um yeah i mean i kind of decided late muzzy like i i probably could have hunted him more late muzzy but after he got through shotgun season and I saw he was alive. I was like, let's just see what he does next year because um, I'd rather kill him with a bow anyway. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Um, well, <laughs> so I've done that before where I uh, – so, I mean, I, can't, I think it was 2014 or 15 or something like that. I can't remember. Um, I I had this – 170 class 10 that I was chasing. It was November 24th. I was still bringing all my camera equipment into the tree with me. Um, you know, I was self filming at the time and this, this buck shows up, right? I'm like, Holy shit. There he is. Shows up. As I'm getting my camera, I got my bow in one hand. I'm getting my camera set up for the shooting lane. He makes it to the shooting lane. I'm not ready yet. He keeps walking. Uh, I'm trying to film it and I, you know, do the thing where you zoom out and you're just like, yep. oh, I, there's, I, I just, I got to make the shot. And I put a shitty shot on him. I pretty much just like backstrap him and take like hit out yeah. one of his ribs. And I followed blood for just a little bit. Like when I say a little bit, I mean 80 yards and then no more blood. And I knew where I hit him. I'm just like, he's not going to die. He showed up the next two years and then, uh, and then someone shot him, uh, on a, on a neighboring farm. But, I just like that, that feeling when you shoot a deer and you, you're, you're, you know, he's not dead right now. That's like, I don't know about you, but like that, that just like, that's all I thought about for like three months after that. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's uh it's not fun, especially when, I mean, you, you do all that work and all that time in the sand and you really get like one moment, mm -hmm. uh, like, and then you blow that. It's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. And some people don't. Some people don't get a second chance either. Yeah, unfortunate enough that he's still alive. Yeah, that's a fact. You know what? You know that 
that comment you just made there, the the amount of time we as serious and I'll just even categorize it even into the bow hunting category. I know that there's guys out there who set their whole farm up for every season, right? Bow hunting, uh, gun hunting, right. and then late season muzzy or or art late season archery, whatever it is they do. They're busy. They they put so much time into it, and and like you, you nailed it. It's like one. It's like one moment you have one encounter with one target animal, whether, you know, whether that's a big antler deer or a mature deer or any deer, really, um, those encounters are so small compared to the time that we spend thinking and, and checking trail cameras and doing food plots for some guys, you know, and, and the scouting, it just blows my mind how much time outside of it goes into that small moment to try to be successful. Yep, absolutely. That's uh, I have a I have a good friend, and we've actually kind of made a brain out of it. But it, he he says that hunting is ninety percent what you do outside of the actual kill shot. Yeah, and like ten percent, it's really ten percent of the entire hunt is that kill. Yeah, but the all the rest of that, all that other ninety percent is, you know, that's where you kill your deer. Yeah, yeah, that's nuts, man. Did you uh, did you make it to Nebraska this year? Uh, I did not. No, I actually had an invite and it, it fell through. I think I had a, had a wedding to attend, but, uh, Jesus. these weddings, my, man, I know, dude, especially during deer season. Like what the heck? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and maybe get out there, um, again this fall. Yeah, man. I love Nebraska. Um, it's flat as shit. It's sneaky. But, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Like there's a, you know, obviously, uh, when you get out to the further west, you know, you can start getting into the mule deer too. That terrain out there is kind of, uh, you know, you think everybody thinks in Nebraska, especially being from Iowa, you know, we're bordering the flattest part of the state out west, you know, out, you know, western Iowa, eastern Nebraska. And then you get out west closer to the Colorado and the Wyoming and, and uh, you know, the western part of the state out there. And it's just it's like mini mountains in some spots. Yeah. Is your, yeah, it's a, uh, is your, where you go, go to hunt? Are you like midway through the state or are you out, out West further? Uh, the place I killed two years ago was, uh, I'd say, I'd say central. central. Um, yeah, I, I forget the town name right now, but it's like North central, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's just, dude, it's just flat, like, yeah. hay fields not a lot of trees to hang in so it's tough but there's some big deer out there yeah i believe it so i get asked this question all the time and you are a very talented uh digital artist i guess you want to say digital designer or whatever title you give yourself but uh, i get asked all the time like hey dude how do i get into the hunting industry and really there are a a ton of options as far as you know like what I'm doing running the you know running a podcast network or doing podcasting you're doing graphic design and um, videos and artwork for for companies um, man what mm. what have what have you done for me you've done the the new western rookie logo you did the you did yep. the nine finger chronicle uh, logo yep we did a uh how to uh, how, how to, to hunt, hunt deer 
Yep. Yeah, how to hunt deer. That was a cool one. Yep, how to hunt deer um, logo. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it seems like we've worked together a lot yeah. uh, over the years. But, um, I mean, as far as getting in the industry, I get that question a lot, too. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity with uh, Midwest Whitetail. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't an intern at the time, but it, it was basically an internship for me just because I was only there for, like, six months. Um, but the thing I always tell people is, like, just network network yourself as much as possible um because as you know i mean the industry is not that big no um it seems big you know looking from the outside but once you once you're in you're in kind of thing um and obviously i mean do something that you're good at and you you know believe in and believe in it and just keep doing it i mean it sounds cliche but if you work hard and find something that you like to do um good things will happen yeah one thing to to add too is like i feel like if you work for a company right if you say man i want to get into the hunting industry because i love hunting and i want to i want to hunt a lot i feel like and Mm -hmm. i want to i want to hear your thoughts on this the direction you should go if you want to hunt more is completely different than if you know like if you just want to get into the hunting industry because there's a lot of companies out there who are probably looking for positions to fill. But as me and you both know that if, if you're, if you work for one of those companies, you're going to be actually very busy during the hunting season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of a common misconception. Like I want to get in the hunting industry so I can hunt a lot. Like that's, that not a lot of people are fortunate enough to do that um, working in the industry. Now, that yeah. being said, um, obviously, you are working in an industry. You're working in the hunting industry, so some of the things you're doing always revolve around hunting in some aspect. But as far as, like, tree time behind the bow, um, it's not always it's not always doable. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still work, yeah. and you hit the nail on the head. If you're working with a company um, – taking photos or video or whatever you're doing, um, it's work. And yeah, it's during the hunting season, but you're still working. Yeah. Um, those that, those that get to hunt a lot, you know, during the year are, are fortunate. Yeah. What, what would you say your busiest time of the year is doing what you do? Um, on the graphic design side, like 90% of what I do is graphic design. Um, I would say like this time of year, yeah. like February, March. Um, and it seems like companies, uh, people are out of the woods. They're out hunting or they're out of hunting. They're in their office and they're like, Oh, I have this, I have this digital project I need, or I have this digital thing that I need. So it seems like once hunting season kicks in, people are less focused on that. They're more in the woods hunting. Yeah. Um, so that kind of slows down for me then. Um, so yeah, I would say spring, start of the year and spring is really my busiest time in my office and then obviously once we get into turkey season that rolls into summer scouting and that's kind of when everything kicks off but um yeah i would say february march is my busiest time yeah so for for me right now is when you know like you own your business i own my business and we we force I would say for me anyway, I don't, I want to hear what you have to say, but I force all my work to be in the, um, you know, into the post 
the that that January to August time frame so that I can grow the business, I can feed the business, and I can um, basically set the business up so that when hunting season comes, it's just maintenance at that point. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Maintenance is a good word. Um, and it kind of touches on what we just talked about, like being fortunate enough to hunt if you work in the industry. But, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If you if you set up things to succeed outside of hunting season, yeah. once hunting season comes, you can kind of decide when you get to hunt. That's the, I mean, that's the the great thing about working for yourself is yeah. you, can, you can say, you know what, I'm going to, decide to take less money or take less projects during hunting season so that I can hunt. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the thing. Like I, I have friends that'll be gone all fall and they're not hunting, but they're out there making money and they're making their business better. And that's all fine and good, but you also don't have any tree time, you know? So you kind of have to, you have to balance what you want, you know, what you want to do. It's just like anything else. Yep. That's a fact, man. And I'll, and I'll tell you this. One thing I've noticed, and, and I, I, I know, I, th- I think I know what you're going to say on this, but one thing I've noticed is as technology becomes, is growing and the, the deer, like the, the hunting industry a handful of years ago and, and in a way is still behind from a technology standpoint on a lot of other oh, industries. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, it's still kind of the, the old boys club, the good old boys club, but For now, sure. yeah, but now we're starting to come out of that as companies start to hire, you know, directors of marketing. And it's not just like, Hey, my buddy, Billy here, he does the marketing for the company. Right. <laughs> as we start to see yeah. companies like Faradine and pure archery group and some of these other conglomerates get bigger, they do a lot of outsourcing work. Right. And that's when guys like you step up. So have you seen a, have you seen a, an an uptick in companies outsourcing some of that work to guys like you instead of bringing it in-house? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, obviously the smaller companies have to outsource stuff. Um, some of the bigger ones can afford to hire, you know, in-house people, you know, an in-house craft designer and in-house, you know, content guy, yeah. um, whatever it may be. But honestly, a lot of these companies, their only option is to outsource stuff. Yeah. Um, just because of, again, the hunting industry being kind of small and you know this, but a lot of these big companies, quote unquote, aren't that big in the grand scheme of things in my experience anyway. Um, so obviously outsourcing, Again, that content, uh, whether it be graphic design, photography, video, is a lot easier and more affordable than hiring a full-time dude to just sit in your office and, and do it all. And um, when you outsource, you can outsource you know, 10 to 15 people as opposed to just one and get more content. Um, the thing about, you touched on it a little bit, but the thing about content now in the hunting industry is content is king. Um, I mean, everyone needs it. Yeah, It's just the world we live in. Um, so the more you can get the better. So it's a lot easier to outsource on, in, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, but in the, the way I look at it though, is like, there's, there's windows, there's, there's, uh, opportunities for guys and it's not just, Hey, graphic design, digital design, it's writing. It's, I don't, Absolutely. I mean, any, anything that you're good at 
a business needs that. And that business could, you know, potentially yep. be in the hunting industry. So I'm, what I'm saying is like there, if you're, if you're willing to work for yourself and gut it out for a while, there's, there is definitely opportunity for people to, uh, get in there and, and, and take a little wedge out of that. And I think yes, me and you absolutely. are both exa- examples of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, again, you hit nail on the head, but the opportunities, especially in this industry, because of how small it is again, like are, are endless. And if, if again, if you're good at something and you have the, um, know how to do it and do it well, um, there's definitely room to work in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, you've worked with Matthews before, right? I mean, that's a gigantic company. You've done stuff. You do, you do stuff for them, right? Yeah. They're uh, one of my main clients, actually. Um, I do a lot of graphic work for them and photography video stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's an example of one of the most recognizable brands in the hunting industry, working with someone, you know, you and, and you're just a one man show, right? You, you don't have a, you know, you don't own like a, a studio or a, uh, you don't hire a group of people. No. Yeah. It's, it's mainly me. I mean, obviously we have, I have a lot of friends that do the same and we all are fortunate enough to kind of work together on some stuff when, when need be, but yeah. Uh, yeah, technically it's just me, but, um, yeah, I mean, fortunate enough to be connected with Matthews and some of my other clients as well, obviously. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things where if you just, you know, put your head down and, yeah. and do hard work, good things, good things happen. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's see here. Like, I, I know there's some guys out there and I want to get, I want to get your, your opinion on this. Like I'm going to fast forward past shed hunting. Okay. Cause I, I want to do, there's a standing cornfield that I'm waiting. Like I'm just waiting. I, I like, I want to be the first guy to walk through it, but I know there's probably other, some other guys in there, but I feel like my pressure, if I go in there, it's just going to be a little too early yet you know, to, yeah. to get out there and hammer it. So I'm, I, I, like, I don't want to talk about shed hunting right now, but what I do want to talk about is a very, a weird topic for me because like, I love deer hunting. I love big game hunting. I like going out West and chasing mule deer, but yeah. I can't, you can't do that every year. What is your stance on turkey hunting? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> Uh, I don't like it. I'm not a turkey guy. I've kind of been known now for some reason that I'm not a turkey guy. And I don't know why. Uh, I think it's just because I'm so in love with deer hunting. Yeah. Um, that turkey hunting is like kind of, you know, whatever. Um, also, I'm not a big gun guy. Like, yeah. I'll be the first guy to tell you, I don't know a lot about guns. Um, same same here never never grew up around them always just used a bow so like i'm not the guy that's like goes out with a gun and shoots birds but um don't get me wrong it's fun and there's nothing else to do in the spring (laughs) so i'll go but i'm not one of these like i can't wait for turkey season guys yeah and you know if you are that guy good but that's not me right right that's the same i I don't there's guys out there and I love them to death because they sh- they they share the same passion that I share for for deer hunting, for turkey yeah. hunting. Like these guys get f- 
fired up. They don't really care yeah. about, they don't really care about, uh, turkey hunting. Like I, like I care, um, or they don't care about deer hunting. Like it's just the flipped role. And I just don't understand I don't that. I, know, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. It. It. <laughs> like we just talked about having, you know, the deer on shoulder and having all this history and hopefully find his sheds and hopefully he's bigger next year and all this and that. You don't get any of that shit with turkeys. You just go out <laughs> and shoot a bird and then you're done. Yeah. Do you think there's <laughs> not guys to, not to shit on turkey hunting, yeah. but I'm going to shit on turkey hunting a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> all you guys that love it, I don't, have you deer hunted before? Yeah. Do you think there's guys out there and I'm assuming there's some crazy guys out there that do this. Do you think that there's guys out there who they'll work a Tom in and the Tom will be right in front of them and they'll just evaluate it. They'll be like, Oh man, spurs just aren't long enough. Beard just is. I think this is only a two or three year old. I'm really looking for that four year old Tom. Like, do you think there's guys, (laughs) you think there's guys out there who are doing that? I'm sure there are. I mean, my roommate, Nick is, uh, my buddy, Nick Cox is a huge turkey. He almost loves turkey more than deer hunting. Yeah. Um, and I've heard him say like, oh, this is a two-year-old Tom. This is a three-year-old Tom. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a freaking bird. Dude. Just shoot it. <laughs> it's right there. It's got a beard. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I had a, I got a, uh, a, I hunted with my buddy or a, a buddy back in the day. We don't, we haven't hunted in, in years, but this was back when I, you know, we would do a whole I mean, we would go sleep, you know, camping for a week and do turkey. This like it was turkey season, and we got into it hard. And we would sit there, and uh, we'd be listening to this gobble, and he'd be like, "That's nah, only a two-year-old, only a two-year-old." Like, how the hell do you even know that? Like, I, like, I know. are you a connoisseur of turkey gobbles? Because <laughs> I can't. I, I that's a that's just a straight up gobble, right? And uh, I know. And now there's going to be guys out there who listen to this and they go, oh, 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 you can definitely, you can definitely know the mature <laughs> maturity of, of a gobble. But uh, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we're in the same boat, but I will put an, yeah, app, I've uh, always, I've always said if deer like went around gobbling, I don't think I would like to hunt them as much either because yeah. there's this, like when you turkey hunt and they gobble, you're like, Oh sweet. Like there's a turkey there that's going to come in yeah. and they never do. Yeah. Like they never do what you think they're going to do. Um, so like the whole gobble thing too, like some guys get excited about that. And I'm just like, they do it all day. What's so special? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, man, like, I don't know, but I'll tell you this turkey hunting. Like I'm not a turkey guy unless it's turkey season. And I'm looking on my little whiteboard here that I have all my, like all my trips planned for, uh, for, you know, October, I'm going to uh, on a deer hunt. November, I'm going on a deer hunt on two deer hunts. January, I'm going on a deer hunt. Uh, but I, I'm looking at April right now, and obviously, I'm going to be turkey hunting here in Iowa. But I might go on my first ever out of state turkey hunt this year. Nice. So there you go. I just talk trash on turkey hunting, but I'm actually going to go. I mean, let's <laughs> let's not let's not get it twisted. It's it's fun, dude. Yeah, it's yeah, and that I should say that as well. Like it's fun, and I go. Um, but where my argument lies is the guys that say it's better than deer hunting. Yeah, right. It's not. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. Yep. So it's like I said, it's something to do. Yeah. In the spring. Yeah. 
Do you have any big trips planned for this fall? Like, uh, you know, you, I know you kind of mentioned, uh, maybe going back to Nebraska, but you going anywhere else? Uh, I'm not, um, honestly, I, I'm kind of a homebody when it comes to hunting. Um, this sounds, somebody might take this the wrong way, but, uh, like I moved to Iowa to hunt deer. I mean, I'm from Indiana, so sold my house, quit my job, moved to Iowa. So yes, work in the hunting industry, but also I moved literally for deer. So I do, I like to spend a lot of time here. Um, I never understood why guys, you know, up and move all the time especially if you have like a, a farm like I do. And this is just the way I hunt. I, it's, I'm nothing against you if you are a traveler, but we put so much work again into the farm to get an opportunity at these deer. I want to make every, every opportunity, make the best of every opportunity yeah. that I can. Um, and if I'm not in the state and I'm not hunting that farm, um, I can't do that. So I'm not a big traveler when it comes to deer. I like just, again, like focusing on one, one deer or one farm and trying to kill there. Um, yeah. So I guess to answer your question, no, I, I probably won't do a lot of whitetail travel. Um, outside of, let me say this, um, inside of the season in Iowa. So October October 1 to January or whatever, I'm in Iowa. Yeah. Um, but if I can go to Ohio or Nebraska in September, I'm going to do that because that just lengthens, lengthens my season. Yeah. Um, but once Iowa opens, man, I'm, I'm glued to a tree. Yeah. And that's, I've been there before where I go on, uh, usually every October, uh, I go out of state somewhere mm-hmm. just because for the most part, um, it's not like my farm's not ready yet and it's not ready to be hunted. The deer just aren't moving. Like typically mm-hmm. it's not until late, late October, uh, where the, the big dogs are on their feet in, in daylight but mm-hmm. this year I was, you know, everybody's got cell cams now attached to their phone and I'm sitting on this big knob glass in this Valley. And all of a sudden one of my shooters shows up on cell cam, like with an hour, <laughs> you know, an hour of shooting light left. And I'm just like, man, he's in the area, but I'm, you know, I'm 18, you know, I'm, I'm 10 hours away. I'm like two hours. Mm-hmm. Even if I, even if I, hauled ass all through the night i would still probably get to my tree stand late the next morning so i don't know it's uh it's one of those catch-22 type deals yeah exactly um and i'm fortunate enough to have um a few farms here that i can bounce around if to your point like if your farm's not ready or if there's not deer moving um you can kind of hunt elsewhere but on that point too i i like to get on bucks in october um a lot of guys will take it easy October, wait for the rut. But if you're hunting one specific deer, which I try to do every year, um, the rut can either make you or break you. Um, and a lot of times if you're hunting one deer end of October, end of October is my favorite time to hunt. But once you get into the rut, if you're hunting one specific deer, his routine can just go to shit. Um, so a lot of times, uh, the rut is great. Yeah. For activity and, and stuff like that. But if you're hunting one deer, it, it can honestly kind of suck. So that being said, I, uh, I like to focus on October a lot in, in food sources. Um, I think that's just the best way to try and kill them in October. Um, and then obviously late season food, but yeah, to your point, sitting on a, sitting on a knob and you get a shooter, it's like, damn, <laughs> yeah, 
should probably be there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I tell you, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. Like, what what are you thinking about right now? Uh, you know, obviously, we as bow hunters and as like hardcore deer hunters, we're all we're thinking about this stuff all the time. What are you thinking mm-hmm. about right now? Uh, as far as hunting goes? Yeah, just as far as next season. You know, you, you've already talked a little bit about this buck that you shouldered, and, uh, you know, you know he's still yeah. alive. But as far as, like, are you thinking game plan? Are you thinking habitat? Are you thinking, like, what are you thinking about? Yeah, that's a cool question. Um, right now, top of mind sheds, obviously, yeah. um, just because of the time of year. But um, that deer and, and my farm specifically um, – a lot of habitat improvement, I think, to try and keep him there longer. Um, again, last year he didn't show up until late October, so I want to try and fix that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just making things better on our farms—it's a constant battle. I mean, you, there's yeah. there's things you can constantly do, like we're going to start hinge cutting next week, um, try and thicken stuff up, work work on farms. I mean, right now is a fun time to be to be a deer hunter um obviously i alluded to it a little bit but like that 90 percent of hunting kind of starts now so like right now is kind of the fun the fun part to yeah start planning for next year and and that kind of stuff so yeah yeah man i i, I you know i don't have the ability to do any habitat improvement stuff but i mm-hmm. look at that like again you mentioned earlier lengthening your season Right. And that's that habitat work would be fun. And let's not let's not get it twisted. It'd be fun to run a chainsaw. I would love I would love to be able to do that stuff. And then maybe I would understand why some of these other guys and and, and then see like love it so much. And then seeing the direct result of maybe, hey, man, I just created this bedding area and now this buck sticking around. Maybe he, he was on my farm for a little bit and then he goes to the neighbors for a little bit. But now he's on my farm yep. all the time, and the reason is because of this habitat work that I did. Exactly, and that's why you do it. And don't get me wrong, I, I grew up in Indiana, grew up hunting, and we never did any of that. I mean, it was just yeah. season open, goes out, you sit and go go shoot a deer. But, um, again, talking about kind of deer hunting versus everything else, I think that's where you feel connected to deer more because you are out there doing work, you're – sweating with a chainsaw you're putting in food plots in the summer sweating your ass off like um that's where you feel connected to deer a lot more um as opposed to just going out during season and shooting the first thing that walks by which nothing wrong with that i used to do a lot of that um but just again it's more fun to me to do the habitat improvement and see how you can literally control a wild animal just with some hard work and yeah um sweat equity you know what i mean yeah yeah um that and someday you know i i always i come off as the the i'm learning you know i'm still it's never like for me it's always learning right you're always learning the best way to absolutely um find a way to kill one of these animals right it's like i have a target buck i need to like i and it's it's different all the time it's this chess match that we all play and I, I don't talk about it enough. I don't do it. Like, I don't do it. So that, it's hard for me to talk about the the habitat work. Um, I always bring somebody else in to talk about it. But I as soon as I ever own a piece of property, I'm going to be that guy. Like, I'm, I'm going to someday mm-hmm. own some property. I'm 
going to do some habitat improvement because I want it to be the best habitat for wildlife. And, and when I do, hopefully I see some results in that. And then I'll be the guy that I've been talking shit about my whole life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what I was kind of talking about before. I, I never used to do all of it because I didn't have access to do it. I mean, I didn't own peace. I don't own farm now. I have a lease. Um, but one of my goals since I moved out here was to have a farm that I could do this stuff on simply because I like doing it. I mean, it's, it's all a part of hunting to me. Um, so if you're a guy that doesn't, you know, you're like, I don't want to do that. That's cool. Um, but I like doing that stuff and I've always had a goal to have a piece of property to do that on. Um, but that being said, it's, I mean, I grew up, not doing it so it's not like you have to hinge cut to kill deer obviously that's not the conversation we're having but um to to your point about not having a piece of ground to do it on um maybe you have aspirations one day to have a piece of ground so you can be that guy yeah i'm saving my pennies man i'm saving i try to (laughs) and with these ground the especially in iowa i don't know what it's like in any other state but you know you, you go through and you look and it's like holy shit are we, are you selling me tillable ground? Because this rec ground, this, the price of the uh, recreation ground in Iowa is that margin, that gap between tillable and rec ground mm-hmm. is, it's closing. And it, dude, it's just the prices. I, I, like every time I think I can afford something, the price goes up and I'm just like, it's costing what per acre? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's just going to continue to go up. It's the thing. I mean, that's, the world we live in yeah. uh, it's not like it's going to come down but i'm with you i'm saving too um i'd like to buy hopefully in the next few years but there's something about owning owning iowa dirt that i like the, the yeah. sound of yeah that and getting that what we all really want is that second buck tag that second archery buck tag yeah the, la- the landowner absolutely. tag yeah so yep absolutely and then that makes ultimately it's all about just having buck tags. Yeah. So 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 really you're going to be spending how like hundreds of thousands of dollars just for an additional tag is what it all kind of boils down to. Yeah. I mean, right. absolutely. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I mean, an investment. You could you could say it's an investment, you know, or whatever, but I wouldn't sell it until I'm dead. It's basically an investment for my children. And then they're just like, yeah. "Okay, what are we going to do with it? Probably just sell it." Unless I, I, you know, unless I nurture some kind of uh, uh, hardcore bow hunter, but that's the goal, man. Right. Yeah, I think that's everybody's everybody's dream, right? Right. Right. Well, um, man, I am uh, I'm starting to get fired up now. I don't know why, but this conversation has got me fired up for this upcoming season. I, I know, I think me and you are kind of the same type of person, like as far as just thinking about it all the time yeah i mean it never it never shuts off this what i like about outside of the season is it's optimism is through the roof um right just with anything like you're like it's going to be you know the best year we're going to do this we're going to do this it's going to be great um so this is a fun time of year to be a deer hunter just because you're optimistic there's fun projects to do um just trying to make things better you know yeah and then the season starts and reality slaps you right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And the season starts and you're like, shit. What did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And you get winded and you're like, 
screw all this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, Brad. Uh, so I, I have to uh, f- full disclosure here. Um, when we when we kicked off the How to Hunt Deer podcast, um, Brad did some pro bono work for us because this was uh, um, a collaboration with the National Deer Association. So he did that logo for free for us. And I told him, hey, man, I, I, uh, I'll get you some airtime or I'll, I'll spread the word about your company. And that never happened, right? So, Brad, this is me telling you to tell the world or people, you know, if, if you, whether it's in the hunting realm or in the, cause you do, you'll do work for anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to turn down work, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, as far as getting my, getting my name out, I mean, I like graphic design is 90% of what I do. I, I grew up doing it. I've been doing it forever. Um, drawing, sketching, all of that literally since I could hold a pencil I've been drawing so it's something I love doing I've been doing it a long time um, so I mean yeah anybody needs any help hit me up uh, um, I'm a busy guy but if it's uh, if it's worth my time I'll, uh, I'll help help a guy out just like helping helping you out the deer association obviously a cause I keep close to my heart just because of how big of a deer hunter I am so anytime we can help each other out that's good yeah absolutely and i'm going to tell you this right now brad's being humble right now he is <laughs> he's really good at what he does so if you need any type of graphic work or even other spitball marketing ideas go to this guy right now and if people want to reach you where where do they need to reach you at um instagram would be the best uh just brad beaver um that's where i kind of hold all my work as well so if you What's the name Wanted of your business again? Uh, it's Artec Branding. Artec Branding. Yep. Really just my LLC, but um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'll tell I you what, Brad. I don't have much of a social presence there. Yeah. Well, i tell you what, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and BS with us for a little while. And uh, dude, good luck this upcoming season. Hopefully you uh, connect again with uh, the rookie. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, I appreciate it. It was fun, and thanks. I hope you have a, a good season as well. We have uh, how many months until we have to worry about being in a tree? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> eight, maybe? Is it eight? Because yeah, now it's February, um, so eight-ish, yeah. Not enough, I know that. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Brad. Uh, if you guys are looking for a graphic designer, dude, you need to hit him up because the dude's legit. So uh, talk to talk to Brad and that's it, man. I would say go to Instagram and, you know, if you're not following the Nine Finger Chronicles, you need to go follow the Nine Finger Chronicles on uh, Instagram. But I think I'm, I'm shadow banned. So it doesn't matter if you like me or not uh, they're not going to share any of my shit so um you know f you instagram and that's about it so uh i want everybody to have a real positive day uh (laughs) good vibes in good vibes out guys and we'll talk to you next time